Welcome to the Aesthetic Entrepreneurs GSD, the number one podcast for aesthetic and beauty business owners who want to get stuff done and become the entrepreneurs the world needs them to be. Many of you out there are uncertain, overwhelmed, and confused about this thing called business. Where there's uncertainty, we give you comfort. Where there's overwhelm, we create calm. Where there's confusion, we provide clarity. So, hi guys, welcome to GSD um, with me, Richard Crawford Ball. Um, absolutely great pleasure today to welcome uh, Dr. Sunny Desai um, to, to today's um, podcast. And it's a visual podcast as well, so you might be able to see me. You can give a bit of a wave as well. So I've reason I've asked um, Sunny to join is Sunny is um, GP, but also running a, a successful uh, aesthetics clinic in the beautiful county of Rutland. Um, in the sort of where would you describe Rutland as in relation to the in the UK? Is it kind of like North Midlands? It's East Midlands. It's East, East Midlands. Midlands. Yeah. Okay. So cool. it's sandwiched in between uh, Leicester. Peterborough, um, Corby, Kettering, Northamptonshire. So it's a really small county, Malto in Parban, um, big things in small packages, I suppose. Cool. It's the, 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 not the literal Latin uh, translation, but it's sandwiched in between. It's the smallest county in the UK. It is a little tip. for So for the Americans listening, it's the smallest county in the UK and it's near Leicestershire and Peterborough. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so... Um, so one of the things that Sunny and I uh, kind of sh- share is we have both served in the military. So you were um, in the army. I was, yeah. So I retired last year. I spent 16 years in the army, man and boy, boy and man, whichever way you want to look at it. I signed up in 2003, and I think that was at the beginning or the beginning of the Iraq War. Mm-hmm. So I was a medical student, uh, done a degree before, and. Um, I, the reason why I joined is probably one because of my history. I'm a Sikh, um, and my grandfather was in the Indian Army, so on my mum's side. So you know, I used to grow up listening to stories about um, the Indian Army rather than the, the not not British Indian Army, but the Indian Army. And he was a major in the logistics corps. So growing up on those stories, and my idea was before I joined the army was that I was going to be one of those. Doctors on the forefront, doing United Nations um, uh, support, dealing with refugees, crises, pandemics, things like that. Uh, probably watched too many movies when I was younger. And it was a little bit different. I, I, won't, I, won't, uh, I won't deny that. I deployed all over once I became a GP. Mm. I did all my training in the Army, the NHS, and then I became a GP. And that's where I joined infantry regiments. So infantry regiments are the ones, you know, what we imagine is the Army, deploying out soldiers on the ground. And I was always the doctor supporting them. And this modern, modern warfare, it means there's no front line. So mm. wherever the guys were, I was with them. And that's one aspect I enjoyed um, because it's the camaraderie, the team. Um, you're embedded in with soldiers. You're their doctor. Um, there's nothing else like it. And um, so I deployed to Afghanistan, uh, to Africa, uh, to sometimes the Middle East. Um, Afghanistan was my real military deployment, the warfare thing. Um, and Nigeria, I suppose, a little bit was as well um, because of things that are going on there. But that's me in a nutshell. 
in terms of the army. So how does a, a medical officer end up doing Botox? Uh, well, everyone, it doesn't matter where you are, you're still going to look good, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just one of those weird questions because I get asked a sort of similar thing. It's like, you know, how did you go from from the Navy to selling boobs? And, um, you know, it's a it's a, a wonderful story. But, yeah, so, how, so what was the sort of transition like? Because how did you find going from, you know, from the Army into essentially into aesthetics? So the transition came... I mean, in general practice, doesn't matter if you're in the army or if you're in, um, in the NHS or wherever you are in general practice, 20% of your workload is skin related. So, you know, it's rash, dry skin, eczema. It doesn't matter that you know, 20% of that workload is skin related. So I, I've always been interested in skin. But when I was training as a junior, I was interested in surgery. So I knew that if I retired from the army as a GP, could I go back into training? Could I become a dermatologist? No, I've hit, I've hit 40. I don't really want to go back into hospital training. And aesthetics, for me, six years ago, that journey started with aesthetics because it's something that involves a little bit of invasive work, so surgery mm. type thing. But it also involves a lot of skin, uh, which people tend to forget. And that's what people are concentrating more and more now in, in aesthetics overall. So that's where my interest started. And then that's where the entrepreneur was probably born within me it was i want i've always wanted to run my own business i always mm. wanted to you know not not be afraid of saying it i wanted to make money i wanted to be successful mm. but i wanted to use my that sort of creativity that was dampened down through doing you know conventional um medicine um you know being at school doing a levels all that sort of thing i always mm. felt my creativity being dampened down and this was the opportunity and i thought if i don't take this opportunity now and aesthetics um, afforded me that opportunity um, and here we are five years later five six years later running a clinic in Rutland and uh, doing a podcast with you in aesthetic yeah, entrepreneurs amazing journey this is the pinnacle by the way you've the podcast then it all goes downhill from this oh, no, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay well there must be a bounce back so I'll wait for that to nugget absolutely from you. The, yeah. yeah the bounce back the, the tv show um, okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it is. I think you know, entrepreneurship, creativity, all of these kind of things. Um, it's it's kind of what I enjoy about it as well. Actually, is that kind of you know being able to essentially have an idea, um, create the the proposition, if you like, to solve the problem, and then you've got this all the challenges around promoting it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, yeah, and one of the sort of your, um, your the things you sort of focus on is is pharmaconutrition in aesthetics. Tell me a little bit about that. Right, so I haven't got white coats or glasses, and I've brushed my hair today as well, so I won't look like a crazy professor. So this is a this is it's a new thing for me, but having read into it um, and researching it over the past year or so, it's what it's what we've been doing all along in aesthetics. You know, we we always talk about beauty comes from within, diet and nutrition are so important, mm. but it's something that I felt that I wasn't focusing on enough. Um, Patients, when they come in, they talk about it. You know, when you do your medical history or your assessment, your skin assessment, you ask them those questions. You ask them about their diet. But then as aesthetic practitioners, entrepreneurs, whichever you call it, you, you sort of gloss over it and you go straight into your focused treatment plan, whether it's mm. doing wrinkle, relaxing injections or fillers or talking about skincare. But what got me really thinking, um, and it was um, 
the company that I work with, but more so an independent scientific advisor for this company, a guy called Dr. Paul Clayton. And his concept, he was the one that coined this term pharmaconutrition, used mm. the pharmacology behind nutrition. How can the food that we eat affect how we feel and how we look? And um, one of the main things for, for me in clinic is concentrating on omega-3 mm. um, um, supplements. Because re- reading into it, how much of a difference that can make to the skin outcome of doing a treatment um, is huge. And it's been a game changer for me, not to coin any more phrases um, or cliches. Um, but that, that's where pharmaconutrition starts. So what it is, is it's the pharmacology behind nutrition. How, how can what you eat have such an effect? And the thing is, the difference is with this, um, before your eyes glaze over rich, is can you test it? You know, mm. we're, we're scientists at the end of the day. Um, it doesn't matter what form of work we're in, even, you know, even in marketing, we test yeah. and we look for the outcome. And is that outcome measurable and repeatable? And that's what I found by doing, using the term farm nutrition. There are tests available, functional tests. And the beauty of this is, is that you can start the patient's aesthetic journey by doing a test, do a treatment, use pharmaconutrition, and then measure the outcome four months later, one month later, two months later. Um, and the results are, the results are surprising. And, in some cases, life-changing because we're looking at prevention rather than cure. So marrying those two together brings in pharmacognition and aesthetics, and it's a whole new world, whole new concept. And it's one that you're you're kind of pioneering to a degree. I I'm I'm facilitating. I'm facilitating. Mm. I I, am, I can't I can't take credit for all the years of research that people have done. You don't have to go into PubMed. Uh, um, mm the central database repository of journal and scientific knowledge, but pioneering in the sense that, yeah, I want to be um, the person that advocates this. I want people to question me and challenge me. Mm. I mean, already controversially, and I know we like controversy, controversy in um, um, aesthetic entrepreneurs is that people challenge. They're saying, look, there, mm. what is the science-based evidence behind this? Yeah. Can you prove it. Well, this is great, you know, because you can do a test and prove it, and then you can look in, and the research is all there. So that's where I'm trying to pioneer this: is mm. bring a balanced approach and not not just be a fad. Um, there are plenty of nutritional supplements out there, and companies making huge amounts of money, billions of pounds and dollars. But you know, at the end of the day, what I want to do is that people can change their diet and not have to rely on supplements. Yeah. Before we get to that stage, we might have to just use a little bit of supplement technology. I think you know, maybe sort of, you know, from an early adopting, perhaps, but innovate, innovative perspective. Um, yes. You know, I, I, we, we talk about, um, you know, sort of, the, sort of wellness and intrinsic aging and that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, you are what you eat. You're talking about cliches and overused sort of terms. You are what you eat is one that's, you know, been used by everyone's sort of grandparents since you know, the Victorian times. And then it also gets completely ignored. Um, because essentially, you know, your nutrition does play a massive part in, you know, your, you know, mental, your mental well-being, emotional well-being, physical well-being. But then also from an aesthetic point of view, um, I think, do you not think, think that perhaps because it's this sort of quick win, easy gratification society that we tend to have where people don't want to do the hard work and look after themselves or want to, you know, party, drink, have a poor diet, but then also still have the benefits, you know, or still look like they've got good skin. Um, you know, it, it, it can't work that way. I think we all know that. 
Um, but do you think you're getting much resistance from, or do you expect to get much resistance from sort of, you know, the public about how you actually implement all of this? There is resistance. Mm. Um, I know you like this phrase, resistance is futile. Um, Absolutely. But moving on, so resistance, resistance is there. So resistance is there for the consumer, mm. but resistance is also there from other practitioners as well to an extent because it all comes down to how we deliver this product. So from a consumer point of view, um, and this is something that you've taught me, Rich, uh, along the, the launch pad um, sort of journey, is that we can't cater to everyone. Mm. Um, and this is what I was doing before. You know, as a GP, I treat everyone. Anyone that comes through the door, I treat them. And there had to be a massive mind shift for me. And it took probably a couple of attempts at that module within Launchpad to understand that when you're creating your avatar, when you're creating the, the person that you want to pitch to and make a change for, it's not everyone. Mm. So in, in a sense, resistance, I haven't encountered resistance because I've employed some of the, the knowledge that you've given me, which is when I'm, when I'm, when I'm telling someone about this, that the idea that you can change um, your outward appearance by concentrating what's within, I'm only, I'm, I'm introducing that idea to someone that I know is going to be receptive. Yeah. Um, those, those people, those consumers that want that instant fix, I guess they don't tend to come into my clinic, but if they do, what we've already done is we've led them through that journey when we're, when we're marketing online. So, you know, I'll get questions mm. and I'll, I'll provide answers. And, and those questions are, you know, you know, why can't I have it now? Give me the pill. I'll take yeah. it and that will cure my hangover. Give me the IV drip and that will call my, cure my hangover and I'll be ready for work on Monday. But people do listen. And that's the great benefit for me as a doctor. That people will listen to me. Um, but also people challenge me. So in terms of resistance from the consumer, I guess we've we've um, we've done what you said mm. in our clinic, which is concentrate on the people that are going to be receptive, and that's who comes. Um, yeah. And then and then what we'll do is we we'll spread our message wider through things, social media platforms like Facebook and um, IG and Instagram, and then people are becoming more receptive. But mm. it's that wellness trend. Um, you know, our our job as entrepreneurs and early adopters of this kind of technology or any kind of aesthetic technology is to is to inform and educate the public safely mm. so that they they're responsive now the other resistance element which is more challenging is convincing um okay. educating other mm. practitioners on the benefits of this because as and we've had this conversation before but for those people that are listening we as brits are so skeptical if i speak to american colleagues yeah. They, you know, they're like, that sounds great. That's amazing. Tell me more. And they're already doing it. But if you talk to a Brit like, hey, come again. What? Yeah. Bill? No. What's in it? What's in it for what, what, What's in it for you? And then, and then you explain. And that's where my resistance has come from. So that's my challenge at the moment mm. is to help other practitioners understand. Yeah. I, it's funny. I was a, a German man described the British as the great holdback nation of Europe once. A German you know, uh, so that shows exactly what we're like. But you're absolutely right. Is that, you know, sort of, I guess, healthy skepticism slash cynicism about anything that doesn't seem immediately, you know, logical or requires a little bit of thought. And um, actually, funny enough, the sort of American and Australian way of looking at things um, definitely leads them to be much more open in terms of, you know, new ideas, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's just, it's just a cultural thing. But, um, but a couple of things. One is, you know, it's great that you sort of applied 
sort of the the, the, the principles from you know the, the projects and the programs that we run, especially the one around segmentation. You know, choosing your part. You know, pushing against open doors. It's it's a massive source of frustration, I think, for for me to watch really good, intelligent, talented people fail because the strategy they've employed has been wrong. It's been misguided. Someone said to them, you know, get out there and sell. Firstly, to actually take a step back and identify who the hell it is that you're actually trying to sell it to and what you're trying to solve is a problem. Isolate those two things. It makes it much, much easier. It's the first major thing that you did, which has helped. Um, you know, it's that segmentation side of things. But, and, but the other thing you touched on is essentially working with your peer group. So other medical professionals, other doctors, et cetera, et cetera, and convincing them that pharma, you know, pharmaconutrition has value. Do you think it really matters? I mean, obviously, you know, if your client, if you're targeting a particular group, you're getting, getting great uh, results, engagement is growing. Does it matter what your peers think? Does it matter? Um, it, I think it depends what kind of person you are. So, I've I've thought about this and reflected on it a lot. So I would like to be that single-minded, sales-driven, business-minded um, practitioner, perhaps who mm. you know it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You're just driven, and you're you're, you're the, the spear point for me is just making the money, being successful. So you know it wouldn't matter then what other people think. Mm. But I'm not like that at all, and I don't think majority of people aren't. You know, I'm not a sociopath. So um, the um, it is important because it's recognition, and then you know why why are we doing this? Why why do we do what we do in clinic? Is it to make people? Is it to make money? Is it to make people feel better about themselves? When a patient comes back to me and gives me that visual assessment score, which I use now, which is you know what do you think? Here's your before and afters, um, and they say it it's. 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, or it might be 5 out of 10. But then I also ask them, how does it make you feel? And I ask them about their confidence and ask about the relationship. And I guess when our peers are recognising that element of our vision, and it's not all about sales and things. So what I think in answer to the question is, it is important to me, because my vision is, is for the whole this thing, is that we don't have to be doing as much invasive treatments as we do at the moment. I think if we can help mm. patients understand that in their 30s and you know, 30s, 20s, that it's about doing the preventative things, then maybe you might need fillers when you're in your late 40s or 50s just to do a little bit of tweakment. And there's, there's mm. a whole concept of tweakments rather than full-on uh, facial <laughs> reconstruction or rejuvenation. So my vision about recognition from peers is to, I guess, recognition of my vision. And do you share that? Mm. And I know you're smiling probably because you're you know, it's leading into this. It's, it's about your tribe, isn't it? Yeah, no, I'm smiling because I completely agree with you. And it's, yeah. you know, it's for, for, for the interview's sake and purposes, I'm so, you know, I push these questions. But, you know, at the end of the day is I think it's, it's, it's about community. Um, and some get it, I think. Some people get that, some people don't. Um, and if you, you don't, you can come across, I think, as being quite single-minded. You know, again, a lot of people you mentioned about the sort of, you know, the driven, focused, um, business-minded practitioner um, versus, you know, the easygoing, slightly more relaxed, open, willing to share. I think one of those has a future and one of them does not. Um, the, you know, the, the market is changing, the world is changing. Um, 
it's much you can really get an insight of how someone thinks their authenticity their values from the way that they communicate through video you know that's one of the the powerful things that we talk about with facebook lives and live video and things like that you can really get a sense of the person their vision and values um that's what people buy and that's what makes it will will drive success It's, it's it's you can see it happening now where you know more successful business owners are demonstrating leadership demonstrating innovation but also honesty and integrity and authority and authenticity all those wonderful things um which i think is what people buy and and i agree so i mean how how busy have we been from an aesthetic side obviously during this time i've been doing nhs shifts Mm. um that's been busy but i've also been busy from the aesthetic side it's not it's not patients haven't stopped contacting me and i haven't stopped talking to them you know, why, why are they contacting me? They know the clinic's closed. They want to get booked in for treatments. But, you know, I've offered them consultations. I've touched base with them. I've said, look, if you've got any concerns or questions, you know, I'm not your GP, but I can provide some sort of, you know, if you're worried about your, your families or what's going on at home, then message mm. me. And, you know, I haven't been, <laughs> hasn't been an avalanche of those sort of things coming through because they know I'm busy. But I've been, a, you know, I've, I've been busy. I've been busy mm. throughout this lockdown period. And I think if I... If I hadn't been doing NHS shifts, I probably would have been a bit more driven. Um, yeah. I'm lucky I can work as a GP. I've got an income coming in. But on, alternatively, I sometimes think if I wasn't doing that and the hunger was there, how much more would I have contacted my patients to find out what they want? How much more would I be taking care of their skincare needs? And my patients, are, I'm, you know, they're, they're, they're ordering and supporting our business during this time. But what is that down to? Is it is it down to because I was driven and, um mercenary about the clinic but when it was open no it's about the values that have um that haven't made me huge amounts of money i'll not lie mm. i mm. when i say successful success is measured in, in different parameters yeah absolutely. but um it's the values that i've tried to put across my patients and and that's what's kept us going and that's what will make us busy when when this lockdown period finishes um so you've touched on it there the values are so important and again it's going back to the other questions when people recognize you for that it gives you that warm, fuzzy mm. feeling. And that it's, a, it's, again, about your own wellness as a practitioner. Mm. Like what makes you feel good? What, what, what drives you and what makes you feel good? And what, keeps you, what makes you think again about what you're doing, whether it's right or wrong? It's about values, mm. definitely. Yeah, that's you're right. That definition of success. So, if anyway, those of you who are listening, it's, current, it's now the 28th of April, 2020. Um, we're on day 60, I think it is, of the COVID-19 pandemic lockdown. Um, and um, yeah, as, as Sonny said, you know, he's, you've been front, well, that is, that does have a frontline, frontline uh, NHS. So thank you yeah. very much for, for that. Um, but you're a, you're a soldier at heart, aren't you? You're always going to step up. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we, uh, I've thought about this, you know, what I'm one of these people that you can put me into the, the most terrible situation and I won't, I won't start crying on camera or bore you with war stories, but you can put me into the most terrible situation and I'll forget about it the next day. Like there's <laughs> Whether it's a coping mechanism. So I still remember now when I had finished my NHS GP training, because you do a little bit of stint in the NHS, qualify, and I was with my first infantry regiment. They said, oh, you're going, you're going away on exercise in the middle of nowhere in Scotland. And I'm sitting on a runway at three o'clock in the morning, sitting on my um, my Bergen, the big backpack that we ca- carry everything in, it was the rain was coming sideways, and the RAF weren't flying. 
because it was raining and they were meant to pick us up in a Chinook and take us somewhere. Uh, but they didn't turn up and we just sat there for hours. And I thought to myself, why am I doing this? I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. And the next day, we carried on. I'd forgotten all about it. And then mm. 16 years later, I mean, we, I mean, I'm sure you've done this as well when you're in the Navy, but, you know, every day you're like, oh, why am I here? Why am I doing this? But 16 years later is when I decided to leave because it was a, it was a good point. For my, you know, and that was a family-based decision. Mm. But in terms of coping mechanisms, um, I'm one of these people that, you could you just throw me into somewhere mm. i'll get on with it like a good soldier and the next day i'll just put my hand up again and say where are we going to next so. yeah absolutely brilliant everyone's got a story as well about the raf whoever i'd meet anybody in raf i'd just say oh what hotel did you serve in exactly uh, <laughs> yeah yeah i'm currently being unfollowed and blocked by everybody who was in the raf who's listening well, the, the truth hurts but uh, yeah no, guess what yeah. don't care <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so we were talking um you're talking about um you know vision values and and, and success you know what yeah. what sort of defines success and like you i think i'm not i'm not financially driven i actually think that financial goals when we look at you know goal setting and how to you know to, to kind of get the best out of people what we look for is you know that burning desire that thing that really drives you and when i hear things people say oh you know i want to make x amount of money in a year I always think the goal is actually, it's, it's, it's a weak goal because I believe a financially driven goal cannot really be inspiring. Of course, we, we want to make money, but we want to make money to achieve certain things. You know, money for money's sake, you know, as they say, be the richest man in the graveyard. Um, doesn't, doesn't really inspire, but being able to take that money and do more things with it, have a better quality of life, um, you know, pass down knowledge, experience, you know, for your, for your family it has a higher value to it. And obviously that sense of recognition that you get from having a successful business. And as you say, being recognized by your peers, by your clients um, and, you know, and others for doing a good job for me, that drives. And it sounds like your kind of principles are pretty similar. Very, very much so. I mean, I like material things. Um, so don't think wrong, but then when you think about those things and, you know, any one of us could go out and buy those things um, on credit mm. and wear it, but it's, I think the the word that you've used is inspiration that connects for me. And I was just, when you said that, as soon as you said that, I was like, the, the, we are, we aren't living in a consumer driven society. Like, mm. you, know, you know, it's, it's holidays. It's what you wear. It's what you do. But lockdown has kind of refocused what is important um, you know, is that holiday abroad that important? Um, or, you know, is it the car that you drive? Mm. But the, what is the inspiration? Like, what are we trying to teach our children? Uh, because we're, you know, we're that age now. When I was younger, it was, you know, is it going to be that discovery? Are you going to be the one that um, discovers the cure for something or finds that? Um, as I went through university, you know, it was in the 2000s, suddenly there was a dot-com boom. And that's when m- maybe money starts to become a bit of a factor in decision-making. Mm. But, you know, I didn't make any money in the dot-com boom. You know, I was dabbling in all that sort of stuff. And it, it, it's, a, it's a journey and it's a growth journey. It's back to the inspiration story. What do you want to be remembered for? And I, not to bore anyone, this is kind of nerdy stuff that I, you know, I, I watch too many sci-fi movies, but I also still remember stories of Greek heroes. Mm. Um, and the one, the one that I remember a lot is the story of Hercules and the decision that Hercules had to make. And I'm not talking about the Disney film more of the more of the textbook version the classic is that you know there's a decision made he was a, he was a demigod he could have made a decision he could have become a god and lived like that or he could have done all the trials and tribulations that Hercules went through 
but the outcome was is the legend lives forever. Mm. Mm. Um, do I want to become legend? I don't know, but the inspiration is there to be remembered for something worthwhile. Yeah. I think even if you're remembered by one person, one client, you made a difference for, and that's how I approach it. Absolutely. Ledge. That's what we need. Ledge, become, yeah. become ledge. There, by the way, there's no such thing as watching too many sci-fi movies. Yeah, I know. It's I impossible. Well, uh, you, you, you're, only re, you're the only person that reinforces that for me, especially that random thing that I tested you on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does... Yeah, the Mandalorian spaceship looks like so. And when you said that, uh, I recognised, like, yeah, it does. And I couldn't quite place the movie it was from. Um, but it's funny, I've actually been YouTube, sort of going from the site tangent. But there was some, re- I remember when I was growing up, there were some really, really shitty early 80s sci-fi movies that just, they, they've never even made it onto, um, kind of, they got it made it onto VHS, but after that they never got transferred onto anything else because it was so crap. Kind of hall of yeah, the hall of fame of shittiness. Yeah, yeah, like uh, there's films like the New Barbarians and Time Warp, and guess what? They're on YouTube. Are they? I've, oh, okay. yeah. Okay, uh, you've just you've, you've probably just sentenced me to wasting my life for another absolutely three fuzzy, or four hours later, no? fuzzy ropey copies, but they're there nonetheless. So um, yeah, so there is a whole new world of sci-fi. I wouldn't even call them B movies. <laughs> below B movies, but I liked them, so who cares? Um, so, so what's the um, what's the future? What's the next? Well, obviously, you know, lockdown's not going to last forever. Um, what what happens afterwards? What are your plans for the for the rest of the twenty twenty and twenty one? So, the focus is is to get a balance first of all. Like one thing being at home has made me realise I've got to find a balance. I was doing, you know, twelve hours a day in clinic, mm. seven days a week, and it, it just wasn't working. It wasn't working for me, um, especially as an entrepreneur, because it was stifling my creativity. So I was mm. just working all these hours and all these ideas that I had, you know, driving to work in the morning, it just it was just frittering away. So one thing I've realized is when you've got time to think, you've got time to create. And when you've got time to create, then that's when innovation comes in. And that's where, so taking these ideas, limiting the hours I'm spending in clinic, doing more quality treatments, concentrating on the patients that I have, um, that we've got in our books, not worrying so much about attracting new patients. Cause guess what? Mm. The work that we're doing now on social media and um, clients talking about it's attracting new patients in any way. Mm. So, um, I'm going to refocus the clinic, refocus my time, and I'm I'm not going to um, not going to be about the rest of the pharmaconutrition side. And marrying it with aesthetics and spreading the word, I think it can make a massive difference to people's lives. So that's going to be our focus: is um, spread the word about changing how we approach patients from day one when they come into clinic, and spreading the word and helping other practitioners realise that. Um, yes, for us, it's a bit of it's a business; we earn money from it. But at the end of the day, I think everyone recognises that. So that's going to be our focus. And it'd be absolutely wonderful to help you do that. It's great to be able to support you to do GVC. Thank you. And you're right, you know, I think to sort of just finish off before we go into the 10 most important questions in the world, how we finish our our podcasting, um, is you have a right to make money. And I think from a lot of, medically trained or you know people come from the nhs or an environment where that is not fully commercialized even the military for example is not fully commercialized um taking money 
seems to be a challenging thing. Um, we we look at it as an exchange of value. I think that softens it a little bit because it yes. is it's an exchange of, you know, you put in you know 16 years of service in the army plus the, the education plus the research, the 12 hours a day. When you, interestingly, the word, this, this sort of thing around experts, and I've touched on this with a couple of people, is the definition of an expert. When Malcolm Gladwell, in his book, I think it's Tipping Point, I can't remember one of them, Tipping Point or uh, Outliers, said that the definition of an expertise is 10,000 hours of yeah. study, you know, consistent study um, to achieve expertise, 10,000 hours. So you think of it that way, it's eight hours a day for 10 years. Yeah, or okay. and or it's a, 16 a hours a day for five years. I think I've forgotten who Bounce is written by. Uh, I want to say Daniel or something. It's the it's doing ten thousand hours or something. Hmm. Turns into an yeah. expert. Um, so, go. The funny thing. The funny thing is that most of us as, as aesthetic practitioners have done ten thousand hours. We already are yeah. experts. But yeah. guess what? We don't. We don't. We don't ask for our value. In, no. when when we, when we put it up and, that, and and look i know that we could you could speak for hours on this and you've said it again and again and it's slowly slowly um coming to my mind that we are valuable and we've, we've done the ten thousand hours and as such we should charge for our time absolutely um, and i see the great thing about being in my position is i see your value but also i see but then also don't forget i see the x the value of experts but i also see those who are not and I get the opportunity to sort of look and balance and go, hey, actually, you said balances. I can see the difference. So, you know, when sort of people approach us, you know, yes, well, you know, I'm an expert. I did my training course last week, but, you know, I know everything there is to know about it. And then they get met with me going, piss off, mate. You know, it, it's, yeah. the jaw drops. And it's like, well, because I've been 15 years, I've been in this marketplace. I've seen a lot. Um, so, you know, Credit to you when, you know, when we see people and we start working with them, there's a reason for that is because you're a top of the top of your game and the, the, the rest of it will come. The foundation for you is absolutely in place. It's, it's there. So you're going to, I think you're going to fly simple. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I believe it now as well. It's all very well when someone tells you, keep telling you, but no, I, I definitely believe we, I'm going to fly. I keep saying we as in the Royal We, but I, I'm going yeah, to fly. That's right. Yes, well, it is. It's never alone. Right then. So before we finish off, I mean, okay. the 10 most important questions in the world. Quick fire. Don't think too much about it. Okay. Man, like you, you've got this licked, right? You've got this <laughs> licked. Okay. So here we go. Ready for the first one? Go for it. Beatles or Elvis? Elvis. Good man. I don't get the Beatles. I tried very, very hard. But there's four, there's four of them. There's only one Elvis. And Elvis, 68 comeback special, just it just ends there. <laughs> right. Uh, Superman or Batman? Batman. Batman. I want to say Superman because I want to be Superman, but Batman is the dark side. It's the, it's the, it's the, there's two sides and I, and I connect with that. Absolutely. absolutely. Bruce Wayne. Yeah. S- Superman is just Clark. Well, Superman, Clark Kent is just Superman in glasses, but Bruce Wayne is something completely different to Batman. He's a bit of a dick. I think that's why I quite Which like Which one, Batman. Batman or Bruce Wayne? Both of them. Yeah, but... You, you, yeah, I, well, so I guess you, chose, you, you would choose Superman then. No, actually, I'm more... I, I, get, the, I get both characters because essentially, um, you know, you've been you know, into sort of mythology and storytelling. 
the the way that actually so Superman was um, essentially created from her from Hercules. Yes, um, he's a kind of a, a pass. He's a god essentially. He's a you know a, a smashing yeah. together of lots of different godlike qualities. And um, but when his sort of popularity started to wane a little bit, the that was well, what became DC. They said, well, we have to have a different character. We've got to, you know, we've got to do something else. So they essentially took Superman and they flipped him. So they mirrored him. And if you look at Batman, Batman is the complete opposite of Superman, polar opposite. Superman has infinite powers. Batman has none. You know, yeah. Superman. But that's it, that's the, the thing about Batman is that, you know, he, you, you identify him as the, mm. he, he was the underdog, you know, his parents were killed. He could have been something else. He brought, he's dragged him out of self love. And you can say, oh, he's got all his millions and Bruce Wayne's got all his millions. But it's the journey of, the, the, for me, especially when the Christopher Nolan movie is the, 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 the journey they portray mm. of him becoming Batman. And it's the journey, it's the train, it's the, it's the training montage. Yeah. Rocky montage. We, it's it's yeah. always the training montage to get to Batman. So am I Batman yet? I don't know. I don't, you're on your way. Everybody wants to be Batman, but yeah, but I think I love. I, th- I think they're both characters have got great merit, but of course. I lean towards Batman a little bit because he is really he is a bit of a dick. Let's be honest. Well, um, he can be. That's the thing. Superman yeah. can't. You know, it's truth and justice <laughs> in the American way, whereas Batman just steps out yeah. of the shadows. Exactly. There was a wonderful quote: "Is Superman is the American dream, Batman is the American truth." Yeah, that's mm. deep. Right, moving. So, next question: uh, Are you a night owl or an early bird? Night owl. That's why I'm doing nights at the moment. Night owl. <laughs> yeah. Night owl. Apple or Android? Apple. Yeah. I've never, I've never, yeah. I've never bothered with Android. Apple I look at how. I just look at how people have to get into the phone with the ziggy zag thing. Just, I can't. I can't even get past that bit. Just no. Uh, PlayStation or Xbox? It's been a long time. PlayStation only because I, that's what I had and that's what I bought. But yeah. uh, it's been a long time since I've. Uh, I'm waiting for the girls to grow up so they, they they choose one of those platforms. But PlayStation, it's Sony. Oh. It's Sony. It's uh, you know with Walkman era, it's always going to identify with. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't. My, Xbox is Microsoft. Yeah. PlayStation is Sony. No. I don't I mean Xbox. Microsoft creating games always seemed or a computer game console always seemed a little bit wrong, but. Um, We've got both in the house, um, and I, I've got a Nintendo 64 because those it, it, they're too complicated to play. I can't be bothered. At least you just want to turn up, plug it in, switch it on, play, and then you know that's it. It's too complicated. Right. What's your favourite movie? Well, the first thing that came to mind was well, the first thing was Empire Strikes Back. Oh. Uh, Sick. There we go. That's it. That's fine. You don't need to. Don't need to qualify. You don't need to change. You don't need to explain. Okay. You could just leave it there. Every, there's the world is applauding right now. <laughs> uh, what's the song that you rock out to? Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm not good with song names, but um... you can sing it if you want to. No, God, no. people would <laughs> people would be unfollowing you there. I guess. Um, I'm trying to think when AC... I'll rock out to anything I haven't got a particular song in mind anything by ACDC or um, or what was the other one no any anything things what I listen to is soundtracks right okay I don't like okay. to listen I, so any 
to the I listen to soundtracks and then you know things like the Avengers soundtrack as well the Iron Man soundtrack has got mm. a few rock rock classics tagged cool. into it so uh, I'm yeah I've, I've failed from that one but I don't have a, a specific name but or, or a hip hop I suppose a bit of Jay Z yeah mm-hmm. actually now, now you've got me thinking about it if it you know a bit of Jay Z comes on Nine to Nine Problems but a K Nine isn't one yeah. Uh. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's what I would look out. Jay Z, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Um, sun or snow? Sun. Yeah, I, don't know I can't snow. handle. I can't handle the. Uh, I can't can handle the cold anymore. I blame the army, but yeah. Yeah, sun. I just you know I I tried for years to like water you know like um like winter skiing. sports yeah. yeah and then nah nah it's just I can't be asked with it I'd like to just lie on the beach with a rum cocktail. Exactly. You know, it's when the sun. It's when the sun hits your bones. That's when you know you're. Yeah. You're. you're The plane door opens and you get that heat. You know you're on holiday. That's what I love. I love that. What's your go-to business book? Um, I'm guessing there's the first one that's been signed is Emith. Okay. Emith is a good one. Peter Gerber. Yeah, and then at the moment, Dan. Priestley is what I'm reading a lot of uh, things like uh, oversubscribed and KPI, but Emith is the one that I'll go to over and over again. Just, awesome. just listening, listening to it or reading it. Well, Dan, Dan Priestley is uh, episode nine, I think, yes. of this podcasting series. Really good. So, um, yeah. yeah. So those of you not um, not familiar with him, go back a couple of episodes and you can hear uh, an interview with him. Yeah, good guy, nice bloke, incredibly agile brain, um, great way of looking at things. So learning a lot. You were worried that you thought I was going to say um, the art of war or something, weren't you? I did. Do you know, the art of war. <laughs> it's not. It's not a tough read. <laughs> it does make you think. It does make you think a little bit. But um, yeah. yeah, no, those are all yeah. good books. Yeah. Okay, and the final question is: What's the best bit of advice you have ever received? The best bit of advice I've received has been value yourself as in know your know your worth know your worth know your worth um that that's it as soon as someone says know your worth it makes you think about well what am i worth and then you know you needed a bit of prompting i needed a bit of prompting you just go through a list of everything i've done and i'll approach someone and i'll say oh who are you what you've done i'll say i'm just a gp i used to be in the army but then i wrote down everything that makes my worth now and i just Mm. look at it and i go that's ridiculous that's just crazy. And people look at it and they go, "How you've done all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you toss it all up and you look at that and you think, wow, yeah, that's it. That's my value. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much. It's been brilliant. Really enjoyed it. Um, Thank great you. to, great to chat, get to know you. And, um, yeah, for anyone who's listening, who, um, wants to get hold of you or, you know, how, what's the best way of getting in touch? So, uh, Rutland Aesthetics, um, you can email me. If you go, in fact, the one that we use most now is Facebook. So, you know, follow us on our Facebook site, uh, which is Rutland Aesthetics, or our Instagram, or you can email me directly. All our contact numbers are on there, and our website as well, www.rutlandaesthetics.com. But we have an exciting new version. Rutland Aesthetics is evolving. So um, I will keep you posted. Awesome. I look forward to seeing that. Cool. Right then. Always a pleasure. Thanks Take care, much. mate. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Subscribe now for tips, insight, and stories to enhance, empower, educate, and elevate your business to new heights.